Hi, you're listening to Walkley Talks with me, Helen Sullivan. Independence in news is a key issue for the media globally, and one that Siddharth Varadarajan knows a lot about. In 2015, he founded The Wire, which just two years later is already one of India's leading independent news and analysis sites. In this Storyology talk, we learn how The Wire is editorially and financially structured to protect its independence, as well as how this new digital player made a name for himself in India's robust media ecosystem. To an outside viewer, the, and particularly for any journalist, and I'm sure the room is full of them, the media scene in terms of statistics or data uh, in India you know, would lull you into believing that, that the Indian media is the sort of picture of great health. You have upwards of 800 or 900 daily newspapers in, in multiple languages. The world's largest circulating English daily uh, is in India, the Times of India, and its numbers surprisingly continue to grow in terms of circulation. We have, at last count, more than 200 24 by 7 uh, news and current affairs channels. That's an, that's an absurd number, it's an obscene number in many ways. Uh, I'm willing to wager that if you don't count regional affiliates of, uh, of networks, essentially affiliates that show the same, same content, uh, for example in the US, uh, this figure of 200 plus television channels in India is probably more than the next 20 or 30 countries all, all put together. Uh, and you of course have a huge proliferation of websites, people are, you know, India, India, Indians have been slow adapters or slow um, users of the internet in, in part because many people can't afford uh, computers or smartphones, but that's changing very fast. Uh, today by some accounts, something like 300 or 400 million uh, Indians, uh, that's roughly 40% or 35% of the population, uh, use the internet in one way or the other. I suspect that's a slight exaggeration because uh, the use of the internet is probably defined as have you ever visited a web page in the last week or last month. Uh, in terms of active internet users, maybe 80 or 90 million, which is still a very large number. Uh, the important point is that these numbers are set to explode. You have in the market a whole range of new um, smartphones that are very affordable. And you have telecom providers that are, including uh, the um, telecom arm of Reliance Industries, which is the largest Indian company, with uh, virtually a free, you know, for the first two years or the first year at least, a free data consumption plan on a mobile phone. So the whole idea is to bring millions and millions of people who are today uh, outside the um, internet and outside as a, as a result news consumption uh, on, on mobile, bring them all inside the tent. So the terrain is changing. What this is, this sort of huge numbers of, of newspapers and TV channels are doing uh, in, a, in, a, in a world where advertising is getting more and more atomized is that the traditional business model of the Indian media sector has, is kind of breaking down. I mean, this is a familiar story. Uh, we've heard how in Australia or North America or Europe, the model is actually, actually broken down in some ways. The problem in India is that you have newspapers, TV channels, websites. The reader or the viewer has gotten accustomed to simply not paying for the news. So even in the traditional media environment where newspapers were the uh, 
principal form of, of, of gathering news or of, or of accessing news, uh, prices were so low that, you know, you essentially, if you were a newspaper, 95% of your revenue was coming from the advertiser, uh, which is a very unhealthy um, ratio. And what this has meant is that as the range of options for a company to advertise has increased, the uh, advertising yields have fallen, and there is uh, enormous pressure on the bottom line of media companies. And what this has done, as you could imagine, is that they've looked to cut costs, uh, and they've looked to increase or to tap new sources of revenue. In the case of some of our newspapers, they've actually tried to find ways of monetizing news, which is a, which sound like a kind of a horrible thing. Uh, but essentially, we've seen at various points, not just the smaller papers, but including some of the big brands, some of the big papers, at election time, for example, uh, striking deals with the regional politicians, where uh, the politician would pay for uh, a so-called package of, um, of puff pieces. Uh, and this would be all off the books, but it would be present, you know, you'd have this gushing coverage of a, of a particular candidate that would be presented to readers as news. And, and the reader would have then no way of knowing that this is just a paid for ad. Uh, so this phenomenon of paid news has become part of the media landscape. And you also have, um, apart from you know, advertorials and all of these other things, lots of, lots of sponsored um, content of one kind or the other where you don't have disclosure. So I would say the response of the big media sector in India to financial pressure uh, has been to uh, essentially cut corners, squeeze uh, as much revenue as you can from your media product, even if that means giving a go-by to editorial standards and editorial integrity. This was the terrain that me and my colleagues encountered in uh, 2014 and 2015 when we were uh, thinking of how we could do something to change or come up with, come up with something different. And to our mind, uh, when we launched The Wire, we were very clear that the lack of editorial independence which was manifest, and if you were here in the previous session on investigative reporting, I gave a couple of examples, but there's lots more, many examples of how the fact that your business model is compromised is uh, leading to an unwillingness to report certain kinds of stories, an unwillingness to investigate certain kinds of stories, uh, and, uh, and across the board tendency to pull your punches. So we saw a link between the financial slash economic pressure that media organizations were coming under, largely because of the way they were structured and the way they were functioning, and the fact that the media across the board was not playing the kind of role that it needs to in a, in a democracy like ours where you have um, all the trappings of, of, a, of an electoral, of, you know, of voting and adult franchise, but uh, in a highly unequal society with, a, with lots of power uh, imbalances and power, um, uh, abuse of power, abuse of authority, and you really need a robust media to, to confront that, th those abuses, whether it's by government, whether it's by politicians, government officials, or corporates, or any other player. And uh, we said when we launched The Wire that we would try to come up with a new business model, one that would not involve um, private investors and would not involve uh, over-dependence on advertising, but would in some ways for the first time in India, try to tap the reader as a source of revenue. Uh, this was a huge challenge because, as I said, the Indian reader is not accustomed to even paying for the newspaper that she reads uh, because the, uh, these, these are virtually given away free 
and at the end of the month you can recycle the paper and maybe even make, uh, you know, recover some of the money that you spent. Uh, so uh, for us, starting on, on uh, uh, you know, with very limited resources, we were five of us who had uh, varied experience in essentially the traditional, you know, in newspapers. Uh, I had edited, edited The Hindu, my colleague M.K. Venu had edited Financial Express, which is a business paper. Siddharth Bhatia, the third founding editor, had uh, worked in uh, uh, Asian Age, DNA, different big papers. And we said, okay, uh, let's put in, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the benefits of starting digitally is that the entry barriers are very low. So with investment of hardly $10,000, we were able to get our site up and running. And we cashed in all our goodwill with, with, with fellow journalists, contributors, writers, op-ed writers, and so on. And we said, look, uh, we are trying to start something different, start something new. Uh, we are a not-for-profit, so the, there would never be a question of uh, us personally benefiting from this. Uh, so pitch in. Uh, we can't pay you right now if you're a writer uh, or a photographer, but eventually, as and when the uh, business grows, then we, will, we would be in a position to do that. And the response was amazing. We got, you know, for the first year and a half, uh, we essentially ran our uh, website with just that startup money of $10,000 that we put in uh, and uh, people writing free. And in that one year, we were able to uh, make a mark in terms of the kind of stories that we covered and in a way be seen as an attractive and viable proposition by uh, philanthropically minded uh, individuals who had money but who also were concerned about the uh, deteriorating standards in the Indian media and we were able to uh, secure a grant, uh, a promise of funding for three years from a new foundation that was set up uh, in India called the Independent and Public Spirited Media Foundation in Bangalore. Uh, and we you know, essentially got a promise of funding for three years with the proviso that each year uh, we would have to be responsible for raising separately uh, a certain proportion of our, of our budget from other sources. And that proportion rises as the years go by. And at the end of year three, uh, we are completely on our own. The challenge for us is that we are not very keen to have a paywall uh, in India simply because paywalls, uh, at least by, our, by existing media market standards in India, uh, they don't exist and are unlikely to be successful. Uh, as I said, people, you, you don't have a paywall for print. Uh, so to think of a paywall for uh, a, a digital news platform seems a bit of a stretch. So uh, like The Guardian and a couple of other uh, media organizations, we are looking to um, have a membership program where we will rely on uh, the quality of our journalism and the fact that what we uh, are doing stands out in, a, in, a, in an otherwise very tepid media um, uh, terrain. Uh, so that even if a reader doesn't want to pay uh, for, uh, as a reader, because people are accustomed to simply downloading or looking at things for free, but can we appeal to their sense of civic responsibility, their sense of civic consciousness, uh, their, their, their belief that if The Wire is to survive as a, a vibrant voice, as a, as, a, as a vital voice in a situation where the big media is shirking its responsibility, then it would need uh, a public support uh, and financial support. And I'm confident that in the next year or so, uh, we would increasingly be able to raise uh, the money we need, uh, not from large philanthropically minded donors, but actually from loads of small, uh, you know, essentially from our readers. And so that's the, the financial plan. As you can imagine, uh, any uh, project which aims to be hard-hitting, which aims to speak truth to power, uh, runs the risk of 
getting into scraps with those in power, those in authority. Uh, we have collected a few uh, defamation suits. In India, unfortunately, uh, we suffer the burden not just of civil defamation, which of course you have to confront in any country, uh, but we are one of the few democracies where criminal defamation continues to remain on the statute books. Uh, so we, we ran a story um, about two months ago based entirely on uh, a, a leaked report from the uh, official auditor of India, the, the controller and auditor general, which found fault with a, uh, a large media company called Z. Uh, uh, the, the, the owner of that company uh, is a member of parliament uh, with the support of the ruling party. And uh, the, the auditor's report essentially looked into the lottery business that this company was running and found that uh, contrary to agreements that were signed, uh, it hadn't been delivering its share of profit to, to the government exchequer. Uh, simple story, uh, based entirely on this leaked document. And uh, uh, we got taken, so uh, this company has re responded by filing not just a, a civil defamation suit, where they're asking for hundreds of millions of dollars in damages, uh, but they've also filed uh, a criminal defamation case which means that our appearance is mandatory uh, in, in, a, in a court in one corner of India. Uh, and we have, to, uh, we have to actually ask for exemption from uh, appearing personally each time. So, you know, so these are essentially ways that companies uh, and governments harass uh, independent journalism in India. Uh, criminal defamation is, is the most abused uh, law if you're a powerful person to ensure that there's no reporting. So these are you know, challenges that we confront, but uh, when we went public, uh, on the internet, on, on Twitter, um, saying that, look, uh, we did the story, uh, and now a case has been filed and help us to um, fight this case. People uh, are quite willing to pony up cash and, and, and donations to help us deal with these legal battles. So I'm quite confident that we've created a small space uh, for independent journalism, not-for-profit journalism, uh, in India. Uh, there are very few examples of this uh, in, in the 200 year history of the media in India. There's perhaps only one uh, newspaper uh, which, is, uh, which was set up as a trust. The vast majority of the media in India is for profit. Uh, and as I said, for profit based on a business model that uh, is pushing editorial standards lower and lower. So for us, the quest for financial uh, independence is very much linked to the quest for uh, doing good journalism. And uh, um, you know, in, in the two and a half years that we've been around, in terms of readership, in terms of impact, uh, we have been able to do uh, stories that um, have um, led to uh, questions being asked of the government, uh, led to policy reversals in some cases, led to um, you know, a wider debate. But a lot of what we do also gets ignored simply because the stories that we focus on um, are not stories that big media wants to touch, uh, particularly when it comes to questioning the, uh, the role or decisions taken by the Prime Minister or the leader uh, of the ruling party, the Bharatiya Janata Party, Mr. Amit Shah. So there's a very little appetite to take on. Uh, you know, what we see as a trend is that existing media is quite happy to, to write something critical against a junior minister or against a bureaucrat. But when it comes to actually questioning uh, the Prime Minister, uh, or other top figures, uh, there is a marked tendency to, for people to pull their punches. Uh, so that, in a nutshell, is uh, what we are trying to do. I'm not sure if there is an Australian equivalent of this. Uh, internationally, 
uh, we uh, see ourselves very much as part of, you know, at least in terms of being a not-for-profit, very much in part, very much similar to the kind of work that um, The Guardian has done traditionally, uh, and also uh, in terms of pioneering that kind of uh, business model that would allow us to always sustain uh, independent quality, high-quality journalism uh, on the basis of uh, uh, support from readers. You've been listening to the Walkley Talks podcast. If you've liked this podcast, there are a couple of things you can do to support it. Sign up to our newsletter at walkleys.com forward slash subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes and other Walkley news. Rate us on iTunes. Or tell your friends, family and colleagues about Walkley Talks. This podcast was produced with help from freelance journalist and fabulous intern Courtney Hunter and former Walkley's superstar Kate Golden in Sydney, Australia. Thanks for listening.